Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Father, God, we are in your house this morning by not an accident. Uh, we didn't just amble in here to, to pay homage to you in some religious way. We're here on purpose in these great days of these days of unfolding drama. But dear God, we know that at the end of it, you win. And that, Lord, your church is victorious. And your people are with you. But Lord God, we desire so many more people with you. So I, I, I really believe that there is like this bugle call. And I was looking at, um, we didn't want to do a bugle call this morning. And just to put things in context, I, I really feel it would be a miss of us if we just preached on. We, we, need, to, we need to give honor where honor is due amen so and then and then we, we're going to honor the Anzac spirit which will help us with our understanding of our heritage of as as Australians I think that'll help I'm hoping it will stir in you those things that Andrew quoted courage mateship loyalty sacrifice because that is exactly what we need in all the generations but also in the church if the church is going to do what it's called to do in the last days, the church needs courage. It needs mateship. It needs loyalty. It needs sacrifice. Thank you for the people that do give to this church and give their tithes and offerings. I salute you and bless you in the name of the Lord. It is a sacrifice. So this morning, I, I, I want to stir you up again. And as C3 Church, as this church, we want to pay homage. We want to respect and honor the Anzac spirit. And then I'm going to come out and give some prophetic understanding of where this nation is situated because of what it has done in terms of helping Israel be a nation. How it opened the doors, uh, the 800 horsemen. And I might tease some of that story out because still people don't understand why we sing the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Fernando Pedro Curos, the Spanish sailor, 1600s, sailing here. And uh, one of the first explorers, prophetically, he was a man of God. He said, this will be the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where I'm going, but it will be the great Southland. Of the Holy then Smith Wiggles turns up. Smith Wigglesworth, a great evangelist, and the prophetic man of God, the apostle of faith, he turns up in our nation in the 40s or the 50s, I think it was in the 40s, and he says, this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? So I'm going to tease that out too. Is that good news? Before you sit down, bugle. Because I'm thinking of this scripture in Joel, just before you sit down, it says, and I believe this is what's happening on the planet right now. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Joel chapter 2, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. 
actually says declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. That's what we're in now, a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord God and cry out to God. Is that what we did this morning? Crying out to God for our nation. And I read this, bugle calls are signals or commands to troops denoting a range of scheduled and unscheduled events. In camp, bugle calls mark key events during the day, with some of the most important being events such as wake up, assemble, dismiss, mealtimes or lights out. In battle, bugle calls signal instructions to be carried out, with key commands being like charge, recall, advance. Bugle calls need to be suitable for their intended purpose. Urgent calls need to be short and easily recognized in order to get an immediate response. Some of these calls may be repeated a few times to ensure that everyone has got the message. Are you thinking people are getting the message by now that we're in the last days? However, other activities such as these of ceremonial nature can afford to have a longer bugle call, and we've heard that yesterday. There's many different uh, bugle calls. Uh, first call, um, uh, Charlie Revely. Revely is the French word for wake up. The long Revely, a longer signal, wake up. Revely, the U.S. version, it says, you got to get up, you got to get up, you got to get up this morning. I like that. Uh, another version means to uh, feed and water and clean the horses and tidy the stables. Uh, come to the cookhouse, uh, officers assembly, uh, assemble with weapons, charge, um, associated with the U.S. Calvary, recall, return, and regroup. I believe that's what's happening now. The church is regrouping and to the colors, respecting the national flag. We're going to do a little bit of that this morning. We're going to hear from the prime minister this morning and the last post. But I thought that was interesting, don't you? So, Father, this morning, thank you that we're in this awesome nature with rich heritage. And thank you for our destiny. Thank you for that. Thank you that, Lord, we are receiving a wake-up call. I can hear the sound of a trumpet awakening the church, awakening the people of God to the days that we live in. And the saints say, and the saints say, amen. You can take a seat. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand as you sit. And, uh, yeah, let's give him another hand because it's all about the Lord this morning. I'll be quoting some stuff from the 800 Horseman Cole Stringer book, which is an awesome book about our Christian heritage as a nation, things you wouldn't ordinarily read uh, or hear about in our schools, although there are more of those books getting out through our schools. Thank you, team. Let's give it up for the team again. So we're commemorating 100 years of the Anzac spirit, and I need to lay this in. I've got a few... um, a few little surprises, but I'll just lay in these facts that still we're learning about. The spirit of Anzac, I love this. The spirit of Anzac is the DNA of every Aussie and Kiwi. Courage, mateship, loyalty, and sacrifice. And you can actually see those words on banners down Tugger Strait. So thank you, Wyong Council, for putting... Who saw those on down at Tugger Strait? So Anzac Day, the 25th of April, which so happens to be my birthday. Very hard to have a birthday on Anzac Day, I must say. Yes, I'm excited, yes, but I'm very solemn about this day. Yes, I'm trying to be excited about all these good wishes, but it behooves me. One person uh, put by accident the word behoove. I don't think they knew what it meant, but behoove means it's your responsibility 
uh, and I said, yes, I am behooved to respect the day, the Anzac Day, but I am torn to try and enjoy my birthday, and I appreciate all and everyone's good wishes. Um, just before I take off, because I'm going to be moving pretty quick, it's a short service this morning. Man, what a week. Storms. What a week. Trees torn out. Where was the warning? I don't know. I didn't get a warning. Hello? I didn't get one. Um, It's not a cyclonic area. I know that. But I'd like to have had something that would have warned me to get my caravan out before I got severely bogged in my four-wheel drive. And two hours later, thanks to a 12-year-old next door who brought some great plastic non-slip. Anyway, I've got to get me a pair of those, man. They're awesome. And um, we finally got the caravan out just in the nick of time because we are, live on the river. And when the river bank breaks, it comes into our backyard and it's not good. Uh, so that caravan would have been destroyed and uh, we got it out. It's high and dry. And thank you, Jesus. But um, the tree's not so well off. Um, lots of trees. And Lord, speaking to me about those trees, a lot of the trees, man, I've literally seen probably about 100 trees down uh, throughout the coast. And I didn't get right around the coast, but I have been to Woiwoi, I have been to Gwandolin, and I have been around about, the, you know, the area. And so the, the thing I noticed mostly, and even about our own tree there, which tragically has suffered the same fate, I noticed at the roots, the roots weren't deep. I've noticed about every tree that the roots were not deep. I'll say that again, that the roots didn't appear to my eyes and mine, they didn't appear deep. And those trees, I think, got blown over because their roots were not deep. I think prophetically, we need to realize we need to let our roots go deep. We need to let the Word of God go deep. Not just take it in emotionally, not just take it in academically. We need to really sort the Lord and let God do a, a work in us. You know, even as we come to church, we're not in, this is not a university lecture. My God, your heart should be open. And uh, we're not trying to bamboozle you with, with theology or science or, or something. We are, Paul did that. He did that for two years. He was the most brainiest person alive on the planet, apparently. And he argued with those, all those unbelievers and philosophical people. And he argued, he could argue with the best of them. He could argue with Einstein. That's our apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. But he's come back after two years of that from Athens. He says, forget that, man. I didn't get anywhere with that argument. Uh, I'm just going to preach Christ and him crucified. Amen. And so it's this power of the gospel that we are trying to loose through the church and through the service that hopefully will get people saved. And it's ultimately about the sacrifice of Christ, that his blood shed powerfully, amazingly, wonderfully paid for the sins of mankind. And we honor what the soldiers have done and the blood they shed, but the blood of Christ really, man, no greater love has man than this, that he lay down his life for his, and Jesus laid down his life, not for the ones he just, that he liked, but for everyone. So, Anzac is, man, man, who's been through the ringer this, this weekend? Who's really been, man, it's been a, let's, let me just qualify a couple of things. Anzac Day, 25th April, probably Australia's most important national occasion, marks the anniversary of the first campaign that led to major casualties for Australia and New Zealand forces during World War I. Um, 
it commemorates all the conflicts that followed. And, and this scripture, you can find it, it's in Romans 13, 7. It's talking about giving honor where honor is due. And, uh, and I honestly do believe we should honor our government in saying that, uh, our civil authorities, uh, and we should honor our ser- uh, services, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the army, the navy, the air force. We need to honor these people. Anzac Day weekend is definitely... I believe, a time to renew our love for the nation, our love for the country, and, and count the cost, realize the cost of our freedom. Amen? So there is a message we can take home, especially for today's generation, about the ideals of the Anzac spirit. Spirit, little s, not big S. Big S means the Holy Spirit. Little s means just the spirit of something, uh, especially the sense of community, uh, the ideals of community, mateship, determination, loyalty, courage, sacrifice, paying tribute to her- heroism uh, and humanity. Of those who fought in Gallipoli, apparently one of world, one, the world war's worst, one of the worst battles, the bloodiest campaigns ever. So about uh, 131,000 made up of 45,000 allied forces and 86,000 from Turkey died in the campaign. The fatalities included about 25,000 British military personnel, 10,000 from France. Gallipoli holds a special place in Australian hearts. Many believe it was here Australians proved themselves the equal of any of the world, heralding the young nations emerging into the world. Remember, the nation was only 3, 4 million people. And get this, people enlisted voluntarily, 300,000 men and women volunteered freely, Three, let me get this straight, 350,000 men and women volunteered freely for this cause out of three and four million population. Very young nation and en masse people volunteered for this, for this cause. The Anzac tradition, the ideas of courage, endurance and mateship, they are still relevant today. It was established on 25th April 1915 when the Australian New Zealand Army Corps landed on the Gallipoli Peninsula. It was the start of the campaign that lasted eight months and resulted in some 25,000 Australian casualties, including 8,700 who were killed or died of wounds or disease. The men who served on the Gallipoli Peninsula created a legend, adding the word Anzac to our vocabulary and creating the idea of the Anzac spirit. In 1916, the first anniversary of the landing was observed in Australia, New Zealand, and England by troops in Egypt. That year, 25th of April, was officially named Anzac Day by the acting Prime Minister George Pearce. By the 1920s, Anzac Day ceremonies were held throughout Australia. All states had designated Anzac Day as a public holiday in the 1940s. Second World War veterans joined parades around the country. In the ensuing decades, returned servicemen and women from the conflicts ensuing uh, in Korea, Malaya, Indonesia, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. Veterans from allied countries and peacekeepers joined in the parades. Now, during the 1960s and 1970s, the number of people attending the ceremonies fell as Australians questioned the relevance of Anzac Day. However, in the 1990s, there was a resurgence of interest in Anzac Day with attendees, particularly by young people. Now, this is the 1990s, increasing across Australia with many making the pilgrimage to um, Gallipoli Peninsula to attend the dawn service, as we've seen. 
The Anzac Centenary is a milestone of special significance to all Australians. During the Anzac Centenary, we are remembering the original Anzacs who served at Gallipoli on the, and the Western Front, but commemorates more than a century of service by Australian servicemen and women that ran, run, it runs actually from two, 2014 to 2018. I, I just picked up, in the 60s and 70s, um, I don't remember going to too many Anzac parades, but I know in, in the 90s it picked up, and I know in the 90s there was a, a worldwide move of God that was stirring up the young people towards God and towards, I guess, the history of our nation. The 90s, I, I, believe, I believe it was a move of God that triggered off that resurgence of honor of our Anzacs. I honestly do. There was some, there was, it's historical, there was a move of God on the planet, moving, uh, causing people to be awakened in many different ways. And overnight, the Anzac service became the place to pay homage and to pay respect. Um, on that note, I would love to uh, hear from our Prime Minister. Can we do that? That'd be great. God bless. This week marks the centenary of the Australian landing at Anzac Cove. On that day, some 750 were killed. Nearly 9,000 would lose their lives at Gallipoli before the evacuation eight months later. Over 61,000 would lose their lives during the Great War. Our forebears faced terrible trials, but the worst of times brought out the very best in them. Their perseverance, selflessness, courage and compassion came to define us as a nation. So this week, around Australia and overseas, we will commemorate this anniversary. Tomorrow, I'll be in New Zealand for the dedication of the Australian National Memorial in Wellington. This memorial is a reminder of the deep ties between our two nations. We are more than friends. We are family. On Tuesday, I'll travel to Turkey to join our Anzac Day commemorations at Gallipoli. This Anzac Day, I hope all Australians will participate in the dawn services, marches and commemorations which will occur. On Anzac Day, we remember all who served our country in all conflicts and in all peacekeeping operations. In a century of service, we've lost 102,000 of our nation's finest. This week, I hope all Australians, young and old, in every town and suburb, will honour them and remember them, lest we forget. That's great. Um, last Friday marked the start of the commemorations around the world to those who died in the fight for the Turkish peninsula of Gallipoli. Uh, the forces of the Ottoman Empire repelled an attack from the British Army. Soldiers from Commonwealth countries, including Australia, New Zealand, India, Canada and France. Uh, between April 1915 and the Allied withdrawal in January 1916, more than 130,000 men were killed on the two sides. We uh, feel for the Turkish people too that were stuck in the middle of that uh, god-awful scenario. D uh, completely the wrong place to try and, but anyway, let's not go there. Um, I thought the brochure was really good that we got in the, in the mail from uh, Karen McNamara, the MP. Um, and... Uh, 
Yeah, April 25th, 1915, thousands of brave young men went ashore on a foreign beach in a far and distant land. Soldiers from the Australian New Zealand Army Corps, Anzac, faced a formidable task to seize the Gallipoli Peninsula and suppress the Ottoman defences guarding the Dardanelles. Yeah. The Anzacs went ashore under the cover of darkness but as morning dawned, they faced an entrenched enemy and rugged, unforgiving terrain. Heavy casualties were suffered on both sides and a stalemate developed. The campaign dragged on for eight months and soldiers endured extraordinary hardships. News of the campaign had a profound impact back home. Reporters, reports of the Anzacs' courage under fire, commitment to the task, loyalty and mateship forged a powerful and lasting legacy. By the end of World War in 1918, a young nation's identity was emerging, reflecting the sacrifice of the Anzacs at Gallipoli on the Western Front and in the Middle East. The milestone year, the centenary of the Anzac landing at Gallipoli is significant beyond measure in our nation's history. I caught something on TV as a little story. I wonder if we could just watch that. Thank you. In an unassuming backpack carried halfway around the world is a well-protected wooden box which holds the proof of an incredible Anzac tale of survival. When you open up the box and, and you have a look at it and you look at the, the, the fragmentation, um, it, it's just, it just blows you away. This little French Bible belongs to Lance Corporal Elvis Jenkins, a religious man he carried it in his shirt pocket above his heart. A decision that on the 7th of May saved the 26-year-old's life. As an engineer, he was digging wells in Shrapnel Valley when the enemy began shelling from above. One shell exploded metres away, sending a spray of lead balls in every direction. If he hadn't had that Bible there, that would have gone straight through his heart and killed him. The Army has returned the Bible to Gallipoli for this 100th anniversary. Its display box crafted from the wood of a lone pine seedling. In the DNA of the lone pine here is the box that the Bible rests in. Warrant Officer Paul Richardson carries it with honour. I believe it's a national treasure and, and um, obviously in meeting the intent of, of the Jenkins family, effectively what we're doing is taking it on its, on its final journey and, and, and giving some closure. But this will not be its final stop. Elvis Jenkins was a deliberately survivor. He arrived on the first day and he was one of the last to leave. But after being sent to France the following year, he became one of the first Anzacs to be killed on the Western Front. The Bible will next be taken to the Australian National Memorial at Villas Bretner before returning home. In Gallipoli, Lachlan Kennedy, 10 Eyewitness News. That's amazing. Still got the, the bullet there. Um, Carl Stringer, who's an incredible man of God, um, he has released a book some years ago, like 15, 20 years ago now, 800 Horsemen, uh, and he, he talks about God's history makers. He talks about the 800 Horsemen and the prophetic, I guess, perspective on that. So I might share a little bit about that. Um, great book if you want to know a little bit about your heritage and the prophetic perspective of now why Australia is blessed because we, we helped Israel. So Cole String, a great man of God, writes and teaches about our Australian identity and, and national heritage. And he says, why our, our youth 
looking to even America, which is steeped in great patriotic uh, heritage, we don't have to look there. We got our own. We, we got our own heritage that is absolutely brilliant. We're a young nation, but actually we have got so much to, to, to thank God for. And he says, he basically says, we're so vague on, on how great we are. We suffer inferiority complex. I think it wasn't until the Olympic Games when I think we came of age, didn't we? When we showed the world, boy, we can put stuff on and we serve and, and we do it with excellence. And I think the, the year 2000 for me was a watershed experience for the nation of Australia. It was like, we've come of age. Literally nations all over the, the, the world uh, were saying, my God, we thought Australians were backward. We thought there was, they were just, you know. Anyway. Um, Judges 6.12, he, he looks to, he, he says we're a relatively small nation, uh, but he, he, he says that we receive the same instruction that Gideon rec- received in Judges 6.12, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty soldier, the Lord is with you. Stranger, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Such as when God brought them out of Egypt. Now the Lord has thrown us away and has let the Midianites completely ruin us. Then the Lord turned to him and said, I will make you strong. Go and save Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Gideon replied, Sir, how can I save Israel? My family is the poorest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least thought of in the entire family. So many Australians have inferiority complex, don't they? They, they, You know, I think it's improving vastly, especially over the last couple of decades. But still, Aussies are a little bit... To suffer from shame almost because of their their heritage and and because of their youngness as a nation. So, in the book of the eight hundred horsemen, he says that the eight hundred horsemen he likens them to like Gideon's army. He says that they were history makers, and he he says Australia has a place in Bible prophecy. And this is a quote from the uh, the the English uh, general uh, Allenby, General Allenby. He says this, without the Australian light horsemen's involvement, it is doubtful if there would be a modern nation of Israel. So we're going from 1915, the first landing for Gallipoli, but let's go to 1916. I think that's the year where this amazing, the greatest charge has ever been done. He he says, uh, to be honest, people are still amazed at, at what they did. So he says, many are unaware that it was the Australian light horsemen who opened the doorway for the liberation of Jerusalem from centuries of Turkish rule and for the founding of the modern nation of Israel. These Aussies achieved what no other nation, including the Crusaders, Napoleon, German and British armies could not do. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied that Australia and New Zealand would see the last great move of the Holy Spirit. That's what we sang about. Why should that be? God judges nations on the basis of the way they treated Israel. You can see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Uh, When Jesus returns to Jerusalem, he states, 
He will descend to a spot overlooked by the graves of the hundreds of Aussies, the light horsemen, our nation's legacy paid in blood. And again, the great British general Adam B. summed it up. Without the Australian light horsemen involvement, it is doubtful if there would be a modern nation of Israel. He states, these young men from the youngest nation on earth were the chosen vessels of the Lord, a modern Gideon's army or David's mighty men. They were the spearhead in the liberation of the Holy Land and God's chosen city, Jerusalem, from centuries of Muslim rule and domination. These young Aussies were used as no other nation in history has been used by the Lord. He states, these young men, our forefathers, did what 11 crusades made up of combined armies from England, France, Italy, and Austria, Prussia, could not do. These light horsemen achieved what the greatest military genius of the day, Napoleon, could not do. But 800 light horsemen succeeded in opening the door for the liberation of Jerusalem, the youngest nation on earth being chosen to liberate the capital of one of the oldest nations on earth. Cole Stringer says, Cole Stringer says, we have a spiritual heritage, a spiritual legacy second to none. In fact, I believe we have a destiny, a great destiny. We were born for such a time as this. We have a destiny, a great destiny in God to be history makers, the same as our light horsemen forefathers. God promised concerning Israel, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. One could hardly be more of a blessing than liberate the very city to which Jesus will return and reign forever. Amen? We have an inheritance of blessings awaiting us. God promises it. You love this stuff? This helps us with our heritage. Cole believes that this nation's is in the forefront of God's end-time plan for the last days. I wish we could show the charge. I mean, if you can drum it up, I mean, it's a bit late, but uh, there is, it's amazing. If 800 light horsemen can change the world in history forever, what can the church achieve in the Spirit? The great Southland of the Holy Spirit has been used in re-establishing the nation of Israel, liberating the city of Jerusalem, in the natural realm. Is it possible we will now be used the same way in the spiritual realm? First the natural, then the spiritual. These are the parallels. First the natural, then the spirit, spiritual. Habakkuk 1.5 says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. This charge, um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite extraordinary. Uh, so we have this place called Bathsheba. It had water. Our troops, 800 horsemen and the armies of England and Australia, they were very thirsty. And this was a do or die effort. It was late in the afternoon. I think it got to about four o'clock. And actually the soldiers were saying, thank goodness for that. We're not going to charge now. It ain't going to happen now. And George Allenby had a real fight on his hand, great British uh, general. He said, guys, it is time. We're going to do it. We're, we're going to charge. He said, no, hang on. You, you, what do you mean? We're going to just make a showing? No, he says, we're going we're to do this. Apparently, they started off at a steady speed, and um, 
And uh, of course, the Germans were with the Turkish. Uh, they were in collaboration with each other. And uh, this was a well-fortified place. Uh, the armies of England and, uh, had tried, and France had tried to take it. They couldn't take it. But as they began to take off, um, they didn't take them seriously. They fired, a shoe, uh, fired some shots. Uh, but all of a sudden, their trusty steeds, the whalers as they called them, started to take off. Apparently, they believed that the whalers took off so vigorously that they smelt the water that they needed. They were so thirsty that they smelt the water in Bathsheba and they literally just started to to run hell for leather. And so, unfortunately, fortunately, (laughs) I should say, um, the Turkish couldn't lower their gun sights quick enough to hold their position. Uh, Firstly, they were startled. They, They were caught out. But then as they realized, oh my God, they're coming. Uh, this, this is not real. This can't be happening. As they were trying to lower their sights to uh, attack them, they couldn't. Uh, and out of 800 horsemen, only 30 died. Uh, not only, but 30 died in that. And they had machine gun fire from the Germans. And um, they, they took that post. They took it and they secured it. Uh, and this was some of the commentary that I've read. The charge had demonstrated again the incalculable effect of shock tactics, the swift thundering rush of successive waves of horsemen over the dusty ground in the failing light that bewildered and deceived the German and Turkish staff who had afterwards confessed that they believed that the 800 light horsemen to be at least a division strong. A German staff officer captured in Bathsheba said that when the two regiments were seen to move, its advance had been taken for a mere demonstration. He said that we did not believe the charge would be pushed home. He also stated that he heard a great deal of the fighting qualities of Australian soldiers and stated they are not soldiers at all. They are madmen. The light horsemen and their superb horses had carried out the most successful charge in the history of war. Some say the most successful in history against what had seemed impossible odds in the years to come. The men would talk of this action at Bathsheba. But as one light horseman said, it was the horses that did it. Those marvelous bloody horses. (laughs) Where would we have been but for them? The fall of Bathsheba swayed the battle against the Turks in Palestine. It also changed the history of the Middle East and opened the doors for the nation of Israel. Um, my father was in World War II. Um, he was in a Lancaster um, English plane, and he was doing reconnaissance, but he was also uh, stationed in Egypt, uh, and their job was to look out over the waters and help the Jewish people get back to their nation in 1946. But I did want to... Um, I did want to uh, say that there is still a war happening. There are many wars happening. But the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, There's many good people taking up the fight in this spiritual way. I thought it'd really be good to play this video, and it's... um, some political activism. I think it'd be good to hear. It's, it's about defending our culture, defending our nation. 
future of our children. It's time to take a stand for life, for marriage, for family and for freedom. It's time to take a stand for the values that are the foundation of our nation. Australia's Christian values are the cornerstone of our democracy, of our prosperity and of our freedom. Yet these values are under attack. The Canberra Declaration is making a stand to protect Christian values in Australia. In particular, the Canberra Declaration focuses on three vital areas. Freedom of religion, marriage and family, and the sanctity of human life. Since 2010, the Canberra Declaration has been drawing together a wonderful growing community of Australian Christians. By boldly adding their signature to the Canberra Declaration, 50,000 have joined with others to make a stand. With God's help, we take our stand by speaking out on the issues of our day in the light of the truth of the Word of God, by encouraging those who have signed the Canberra Declaration to write letters, visit and make submissions to our leaders in government, by praying and fasting for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the revival and the transformation of Australia to reach its destiny. By working alongside other Christian organisations, many who are signatories to the Canberra Declaration. We take our stand for the free and public expression of our religious convictions. We speak out on behalf of those who have been forced to violate their conscience or intimidated into silence. We take our stand for marriage as God ordained. The voluntary lifelong union of a man and a woman to the exclusion of all others. We refute arguments of all those who want to redefine marriage to suit their own agendas. We take our stand for a culture of life which sees every person as made in the image of God with inherent value and dignity. We push back against a culture of death that negates life through abortion, euthanasia, human trafficking, pornography and the glorification of violence. Will you join a growing community of Aussie Christians who will pray, act and make a difference for Australia? Tell your friends, together we can make a difference. Join the Canberra Declaration community today and sign up now. Wow. So here we are. We're living in great days. And um, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, wow. We salute those, those ones who have gone before us to allow our freedom, our culture. They did fight for our democracy, our our culture of a nation, a Christian nation, I believe. That's still the fight that's on now. The same fight that our soldiers were dealing with 100 years ago uh, is the same fight that we're dealing with now. Um, We're a Christian nation. We're a Christian people. We're a Christian culture. Our heritage is, is... It does have a spirit of courage mateship, loyalty and sacrifice. I believe that's what this church is about. I believe that's what 21st century church is about. It's about that sort of grit. I was thinking about it and I think it's by no accident that Hillsong Church, Brian Houston, is from New Zealand. 
We're talking about the New Zealand and the Australians fighting together. And it's probably by no accident that our own boss, Phil Pringle, is from New Zealand. People that came from New Zealand and helped us take ground for Jesus in our land. Now Hillsong Church is going out all over the earth. Just a small nation. Small nation, but we seemingly have a church that is flourishing all over the world. And people are amazed at the phenomena. But I think it's all based in courage, mateship, loyalty, and sacrifice. And I think that's what we need to teach our children. I think we need to let our children serve and sacrifice. Don't keep them in the crucible of comfort. Don't keep them in that place of protecting them from the, the things of this, you know, even the, some of the nasty elements and the, the bad news. I, I was trying to explain war to my, my precious um, grandson, Charlie, and I was trying to tell him about Anzac Day and Julie reminded me later, he said, oh, I just loved how you, you were trying to explain to Charlie, you know, and really touching on the fact that sometimes we've got to be strong to deal with the enemy. We've got to be strong to deal with people that want to hurt us. And it's an unfortunate fact. But you know what? The church is in the same place. We could actually allow ourselves to live in la-la land, thinking that if we mind our own business, we don't, we don't prod the ant's nest, we don't talk about the devil, we don't talk about the principalities and powers, we don't talk about the great fight that we're in spiritually. If we just mind our own business, maybe He will leave us alone. Well, I'm sorry, folks, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says He is on the loose, looking to devour even innocent people. That's why we've got to pray. That's why we've got to be vigilant. That's why we've got to be sacrificial. And that's why we need mateship. Unity is our key. Mateship is our key. Sacrificial giving is our key. Serving is the highest virtue you can do. Thank you for the people that are cleaning this building, serving at the door, setting up, and doing all the things that we need to do. Thank you for the men who will turn up to put our tents back up. Thank you for those people that make this church. Chris is clapping. And uh, thank you for the people that make this church. We are Australians. We are the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. We don't just sit idly by. 300, I think it was 330,000 men and women volunteered out of a nation of three, four million people, unheard of, enlisted, voluntarily enlisted in that great fight. I think it's the days to enlist. I hear a trumpet blast. I hear the bugle and it's saying, wake up church, wake up. This is your greatest day. This is your greatest day. This is the days to see a harvest come in and to see God do what He can do best. Amen? Is that good news? So we honour the Anzacs. We honour the Anzac spirit. It is our heritage. That's what we want to see our families and our kids have inside of them. Courage, mateship, loyalty, sacrifice. Somehow out of that ridiculous fight, out of that ridiculous battle, and do you know what? All the best things come through the pressure cooker of trials and tribulations. Out of the tribulations and the suffering comes hope, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5. 
and hope does not disappoint. Let's believe that we can pay a price for God's church, for this nation. That's why I put that that, that declaration, the Canberra Declaration. There's people praying and fasting for our nation, putting their lives on the line and saying, we will not stand to see our culture and our democracy threatened by ideologies that believe in death and destruction. We will not, we shall not. And folks, can I say this? Peace will come. But at the moment, peace is not a reality. When Jesus comes, the last chapter of Romans, the Bible says, and Jesus, the God of peace, will crush the powers of darkness, Satan, and he will have his day. That's our final solution. Not tippy-toeing around the subject. We are in a massive fight. We are Australians. We are the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. We need to stand and fight for our families, our wives, our husbands. We need to stand for our children and declare that we are spirit-filled. We have a great destiny. We have a great heritage. And we need to advance our cause and see God what He can do for this great nation. Let's all stand. God bless you. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.